Hey, Pastor Freddie T here. Thanks for listening to the Real Life Church Podcast. You guys, I'm so fired up about this summer podcast series that I'm doing with Pastor Tim uh, as we take a deep dive into our mission, vision, strategy, and values. And today, we stick our big toe into our values. You're going to love it. Uh, you really are going to want to hear all of this. You may even uh, want to grab a, a, a notepad and pen uh, because this is good stuff. Enjoy the podcast. Community groups at Real Life Sango are where strangers become friends and friends become family. You guys, you have been isolated for too long. You've been disconnected for too long. It's time for you to find your people. This fall, this September, we launch community groups. A message for some of you is wait no longer, on the sidelines no longer, join a community group. I want you to be thinking about it, praying about it right now. More than that, commit in your mind and heart right now that the first day we launch community groups, you're going to sign up for one. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Timmy. How's it going, man? Oh, it's so good, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm loving this summer podcast series where we're unpacking our mission, vision, strategy, and values. And uh, so in our last session, we covered our mission, delighting in God, discipling others, uh, our vision to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement, uh, our strategy. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know our strategy? I'm going to guess gathering, giving, serving, living. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you if you listen to the first session of the summer series on the podcast, uh, I totally put Pastor Tim on the spot. And you know stuff, but when you get thrown on the oh, spot. Yeah, brain fog. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Um, but you just nailed it. You were so ready for that. I didn't tell you that was coming, but you were ready for it. I was it. ready for it, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're so so just to kind of refresh folks, our our mission and our strategy are what we do. It's what we do as a church. So what we do is we delight in God and we disciple others. Um, that's our mission. Our, our mission is unchanging, but our strategy remains fluid. It can change from time to time. And right now we articulate our strategy as gathering, giving, serving, and living. And that's what we do. We delight in God and disciple others. We gather, give, serve, and live. Um, and we do all that in order to become a particular kind of people. Mm. In order to become something, we have a, a picture of what we want to become, and that's our vision. Yeah. That's our vision. Um, you know, one of the things I didn't say in the first session, Timmy, is is from time to time, God gives us, like, other visions. And I don't necessarily mean, like, like the Apostle John had, like, a vision when he was on the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Right. I don't mean a vision like, like Isaiah had when he saw the Lord seating on the throne, you know, though God could give people visions like that. I just mean uh, little mini visions of where are we going as a church? That's right. what I mean, you know, and and it's, it's funny because sometimes I used to probably about 10 years ago, seven, eight years ago, when people would ask me what my vision for the church was, I would always push back on that a little bit because you really don't see that word in the new Testament often. Right. You know, so, so we don't want to overcomplicate things and we don't want folks to feel like, you know, the church has just become a reflection of like the business world and we've just adopted all of their ways and that's where all this language comes from. Um, and and I, I had just gotten so weary of the vision language right. that I pushed back on it and I said, well, I don't have a vision. I have a conviction. You know, because it's like everybody wants to know what's the leader's vision? What's the leader's vision? And there's all this pressure as a leader to like pull a rabbit out of your hat and woo the people with your vision, you know, where people are just, their jaws are dropped and they're just like, oh, what an amazing vision. And I just wanted to push back on that because I had personally been around so much grandiose vision casting in the right. church. And um, sometimes it wasn't authentic. Sometimes it was just like impulse, impulsive. And sometimes it was competitive where you had to have a bigger vision than the guy down the street. And I just felt like it just, we, we often got lost mm. in the vision language. So I pushed back on it for a while. And I said, well, I don't have a vision. I have a conviction. 
and then I would articulate what a conviction was. So I would I would say I have a conviction that real life needs to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. Right, right. And that's our vision. Um, but I would also say little mini visions come along. You know, so for example, we have a vision to build a facility. And our vision is for that facility to become a gathering space for our community uh, in a variety of ways, a place of hospitality, a place of connection, a, a hub of discipleship, a launching pad for the nations. We have a vision of what we see in that facility. Um, and that's a vision. And I'm comfortable using that language mm-hmm. now. I've kind of matured in my, you know, I'm not as sensitive to that, right. that language. But I want people to understand we've got, a, we've got a vision for our church that's kind of like our standing vision. And then as we move forward as a church, we'll have little visions along the way. Yep. You know, that makes sense. Um, like we have a vision for, you know, to, um, to see, uh, you know, um, the number of our community groups double or, you know, something along different those seasons. Lines. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So little mini visions that are shaped in different seasons. That's a good word. Um, and so vision is that picture of who we want to become. Uh, and now uh, we're going to unpack our values. But before we do that, uh, as you reflect upon our first session where we overviewed our mission, vision, and strategy, um, what 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 did you walk away with? What struck you most? What are you what are you carrying out of that first session? Yeah, it was it was a lot. I think the the thing that stuck out the most to me was a picture you gave toward the end where you talked about delight being you know the top of the mountain and everything else sort of flows out. You talked about the water flowing out and um, you know. It, it hit me that sometimes in church world, we're almost apologetic in how we ask people to do things like, oh man, could you please serve? Could you, you know, could you give a little bit? You don't have to give much, you know, we're, we're almost apologetic in our ask. And it hit me. I'm like, you know what? Like gathering, giving, serving, living, we don't have to ask apologetically because we know what the end result is when, when we're doing it the right way, right? It's not out yeah. of guilt. It's not out of shame. It's not out of, I need you to do this. It's really out of delight. And yeah. we recognize that as we, as we gather, as we give, as we serve, as we live, we, we get to delight in God in doing those things. And so it's not, we don't have to be apologetic about it because we're actually for people's delight. Yes. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that stuck out is the motivation for all of that. Yeah. You know, you, you use the word synergy when we were talking earlier. And I think it's, it's operative there where it's delighting in God that both gives us the desire and the power to gather, give, serve, and live. Right. Mm. Why do we gather? It's because we delight in God. Why do we give? It's because we delight in God. But, but the relationship is synergistic in that when we gather, when we give, when we serve, when we live, our delight in God grows. That's right. And That's right. Uh, it's I the starting love that. and the end point. It's, yes. It's both. Yes. So you, you can't fully, like your, your, your delight in God can't be fully realized just sitting and receiving. Right. Right. Yep. You, you, you've got to get moving. And then your delight in God, uh, reaches its fullest experience which is what you're talking about like the idea of like healing through our serving it's not i've got to heal so i'm just gonna sit on the sideline that god does a work as we as we give out you know yeah. i heard somebody wants to talk about the idea of like if you get a sponge and put it in water and it just sits on the sink eventually it just stinks because that's not what a sponge is Ooh, meant that's to do. good you know it, it's meant yes you soak it up but it's so you soak it up so you squeeze it out that's good and that's that's what that outward expression is what we were created to do. That's so good, man. You were with us Sunday morning when I told our tech and worship team, burnout doesn't come from serving the Lord too much. Right. Burnout comes from when you serve the Lord in a way that's not connected to your intimacy with the Lord. Right. Right. So, so um, if you're trying to squeeze out of the sponge where there is no water, right. You're not going to get anything out. Right. And, And so that's a picture of burnout. Right, is trying to squeeze water out of a sponge that's not been dipped into the water. That's good. Right. Yep. Um, but but you know as well as I do, you saturate a sponge in water, it's hard to get all the water out of the sponge. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you can keep squeezing it and there's a little more to come out. You can keep squeezing, there's a little more. You need to clean, you need to clean over here. There's still a little more to you know, keep squeeze. You get a lot out of a sponge, right? And um, mm. 
you know, in, in, in Romans, Paul says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that this is our spiritual act of worship. So, so I like to tell our people, we don't want to be burned out serving the Lord, but we do want to be burned up mm. as a living sacrifice yeah. on the altar, right? And, um, but, but don't miss this, is uh, the way you can get burned out. And I, the, the terminology I used Sunday was, um, is by um, your service outpunting your intimacy. Right, right. Your service outpunting your intimacy. Uh, you know, meaning um, you're not walking with the Lord either consistently enough or deep enough to sustain the amount of serving you're doing. Right. That's where it begins to feel like a, a task list or a burden of like, I have to do this as opposed to an expression of what God is doing in and through me. Right. So, so, so there's this, right, there's this, uh, this paradox of um, joyful pain. In sacrifice, right? Mm. Sacrifice implies pain. Um, what would possess us to be a living sacrifice? What would possess us to get up on the altar? Well, it's our delight in God. It's our joy it's good. that we found in Him. So we do it not out of duty, but out of delight. Because we want to, not because we ought to. We get to, not because we should. Should we? Yes. Ought we? Yes. But is that why? No. Right. Right? It's right. It's, right. it's good. But it's good, right? Love that. Yeah. I, love, I was just thinking about Isaiah fifty-eight. One of the promises that um, that it gives is that when we when we worship God and we honor Him, will our life will be like a spring that doesn't fail. And in other words, it, the water just keeps coming. Because sometimes I think we think of our service as like a cup of water, and it's like, okay, I can give you some, but then I have less. But that's not the picture. The picture is that. As I give, God gives more. And it, it goes back to your, you know, when you're talking about the sponge. Uh, it, it's not I win or I, I give and therefore I've lost. It's I give and I get more and I get to give more. And it just, it, it's that synergy. Yeah, that's beautiful, that. man. That's good. Well, today we're jumping into our values. And the value, the first value we're going to cover is equip and empower. So we're going to come in the next few weeks and unpack the other values. But today we're just looking at our value of equip and empower in values. I love values probably, probably more than mission, probably more than vision and probably more than strategy. I love values. Mm. And the reason I love values is because it's what sets us apart from other churches. It what it's what makes us distinct from, from other churches. And I don't mean in a competitive way. I just mean in a, this is who we are at real life. This is, this is the it's kind fl- of church flavor, we are, right? That's our, our flavor. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's like you've got your faith, or it's like Daniel Cox uh, made the the uh, the rub, the meat rub for Father's Day. So good, by the and way. And he was telling <laughs> us earlier today that he had all these people coming up saying, can I get some more of that, right? Mm-hmm. So they loved the flavor. Um, and so for us at Real Life, that's it, is, is that we want people to understand what flavor we are, and we want them to to really love that flavor, yeah, you know, and that. if they don't real life may not be for them. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. It's totally okay. Kingdom of God is big. <laughs> you like, we like to say real life is for, for anyone, but it's not for everyone. Yep. Right. Yep. And um, so our values answer the question in what manner are we going about our ministry? Mm. How do we implement our mission and strategy? And so um, a great illustration, we were actually in a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago and DJ Daniel Cox was, he had a question about, um, he, 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 was, he was leading a church member, kind of trying to get them to, to do something and he was struggling. Mm-hmm. He's kind of struggling to get them to do it. And he literally asked the question, do you have any recommendations on how? Mm. And it was like, it's like, well, you couldn't have asked the question any better yep. because that's the language I always come back to when I describe our values. Our values are how we go about our ministry. And so I just leaned right in. And I said, well, I said, our values answer the question, yeah. how we, uh, DJ Daniel Cox, you remember this, how mm. we go about our ministry. So we looked at grace and truth in relationships. So I, uh, that, that was one of our values, grace and truth in relationships. Um, and not to get to, a future week's value here. <laughs> yep. Um, but that answered the question for Daniel, how do I do this? How do, how do I need to do this? I said, well, grace and truth in relationships. You want to establish relationship. 
So don't text, don't email, don't call. Go to coffee with them. Mm -hmm. Let it be relational. If you really need to get this individual to partner with you, go deep in the relationship. Um, be gracious. Um, you know, have have a gracious tone. Tell mm -hmm. him you understand. Give him an out. You know, tell him that this may not be for him, and that's okay if it's not. If it's in a season where he can't do it, she can't do it. But then tell him truthfully exactly what you need him to do. Yeah. Grace and truth Love that. in relationship. And um, so so that's what values are, the manner in which we go about our ministry. They're our flavor. It's what makes us distinct. And today we're talking about equip and empower. Um, when, when you think about it, equip and empower, Timmy, what immediately comes up for you? For me, I think it... Sometimes it helps to almost think like what what is the opposite like what does it look like when we're not doing oh that? you're so smart man gosh this is a good this is not scripted you guys no, and we've got some not. talking points but. so like yeah like I'm curious like how do we know when we, what what it doesn't look like yeah. what, what do you think like if if we're a church and we're not living to that value yeah what does that look like yeah and um yeah usually I I think you know we both grew up in uh, the same church in, in First Baptist Clarksville and. Um, I, I think often as a kid, I had this wrong understanding that if you were up on stage, you were doing the ministry and I was just kind of passive and sitting there in the pew. And, you know, as I got to know more about the church, I realized that wasn't the case, but I remember being a kid thinking that. And so that's the opposite of what we want. We don't want it to look like, yeah. okay, if yeah. you're, you know, paid staff or your leadership position, you're the one you're doing the work of God and you're just, I'm, I'm going to get fed. Right? right. Like I think that's kind of the opposite value of right. what we're looking at. And instead right. it's you no, know, as a church, as we delight in God, you no, know, we get to serve together as the church. And it's not this sort of, you know, expert Christianity up here and then everybody else down right. here. It's right. No equip and empower to be the church um, in the community. Yeah. And I think that's the big paradigm shift yeah. that I had to have. That's so good, point. man. I love that. Well, just even as you're saying that this image is coming to my mind of like a giant concert. Right. And I think like at a concert, we've well, got the people on stage leading the concert and you've got the people at the gate taking the tickets and you've got the people that are cleaning up after the concert. Um, and you've got the people that attend the concert and they're not taking up the tickets and they're not cleaning up afterwards and they're not plugging a cable in. They're just coming and enjoying the concert. Right. Um, Consuming. That's right. And so that is the opposite of what we want to see in real life. Um, we want everybody to have a role. We want mm -hmm. everybody to be empowered. Um, so where does this value come from? We didn't just pull it out of the air saying, oh, this would be good. We really felt like this is emphasized in Scripture. So, Timmy, you as we think about uh, what a Christian is, a Christian is, is someone that has had a heart change, that they've turned from sin and turned to Jesus to trust Jesus. Mm. And what the Scripture tells us is that that's the work of the Spirit of God in their life, and that indeed the Spirit of God comes to dwell inside someone that turns to and trusts in Jesus. Right. And when that happens... Every Christian, every follower of Jesus uh, now has forever the indwelling Spirit of God inside of them. Sounds a little weird. It's really wonderful. But as the Spirit comes to live inside of people, what are some things that the Holy Spirit does? Yeah, well, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the like we, when we talk about equip and empower, we have to understand that as followers of Christ, we've been given gifts. Like we've been given certain gifts and wirings that um, are throughout the New Testament that sort of inform what it looks like for us individually to live out our faith. And that's where, you know, one person looks very different than another. That's not that one is right and one is wrong. Paul talks about the body of Christ. We need every part. In a, and that's the part that I think we miss when we have this sort of mindset of like, you know, stage or all the super Christians and everybody else sort of consumes is we miss that part that, no, every single part is absolutely vital, you know, to the ministry and to the work of Christ. Yes. And that, that, that can be a big paradigm shift for people to say, like, look, we're not, gathering is one of uh, the things that we're about, but it doesn't end there, you know, that the church 
church is not for us just a Sunday morning thing. It is a seven day a week thing where we get to be the church. We get to be the body of Christ. That's right. The whole the Holy Spirit comforts us, convicts us, and equips us. Mm. We saw we saw in last podcast in Acts nine thirty one that the church was flourishing, and one of those marks of flourishing is they were they were experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does when He comes into our life is He comforts us. Uh, he convicts us of sin. So when we're living out an identity that's not true to who we are, when we're living in opposition to God's ways, when we disobey His commandments, the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts us. us. This is an expression of God's love to to remind us who we are, to keep us on the on that path of flourishing. Um, but but then the Spirit equips us, and that's what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Is the Holy Spirit gives us gifts for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, and yeah. uh, so building us up to become a family, building us up to become mature in our faith, uh, building us up to become the expression of Jesus. Uh, his agents of of ministry. For folks that are listening to this, that this might be a new concept, or just for a refresher, if folks want to look up in the scriptures where they can find spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. these spirit. What is a spiritual gift? What's this this impartation that the Holy Spirit puts in your life? He gives you a special spiritual ability to contribute to the building up of the body of Christ. Where, where can they find those in the scriptures? I mean, the, two, two of the big passages would be 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Romans 12. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious, right? Like, d- did you grow up like, uh, do you remember the test that you used to take? Yes. Like, uh, like you would like kind of fill out this form. And oh, absolutely, like, sure. And kind of give you like an output or whatever. Yeah. I'm curious, like if somebody's listening to this going like, great, I have a spiritual gift but I have no clue what it is. Yeah. Like how, yeah, 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 how yeah. would I go about doing that? Like, how can I figure out my gifts? Yeah. So, so you referenced first Corinthians 12 yep. and Romans 12 in Romans 12. You can turn to those sections of scripture and find lists of spiritual gifts. Um, Timmy, when I was growing up, I thought in the scripture, those are the only spiritual gifts. Right. And I've kind of, I kind of, I've kind of grown. I'm, I'm curious to what you think. I've kind of grown to think that, um, it's more of like examples of spiritual gifts. It's not necessarily yeah. an exhaustive list. I agree. I, um, so you're going to find like, okay, spiritual gifts, here's some spiritual gifts and they're like these things. Right. Um, but I would, so to answer your question, if somebody's like, Oh, I have spiritual gifts. How do I find my, how do I discover my spiritual gifts? Well, you can take one of those little spiritual gift inventories and they can be helpful for sure. But I think the best way to discover what your spiritual gift is, um, is in uh, immerse yourself in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. join a community group, participate, serve on a ministry team, and then ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what your gifts are, and then pay close, pay really close attention to how God uses you, um, to what people notice mm. in you, to what comments people say about you, um, and then poll the people that wow. you're in community group with yep. or that you're serving with and just ask them, Hey, where do you see God using me? I love that. You, two words that popped out when you said you talked about community and participation. And I think like community flies in the face of, uh, this hyper individualistic, like, you know, yes, it is a personal relationship with God, but it's so much more than that. And, Hearing from other people, like we don't have great self awareness, do we? We need to hear, you know, blind spots, I, blind Absolutely. spots, and like, hey, you know, to be able to say to somebody that's walking closely with me, hey, what do you see in me? Like, what, um, what would you say are my strengths? What, what are some of my growth areas? And I, I think the community piece is huge, and the participation piece was the other thing. You know, it'd be a bit like uh, watching a basketball game and sitting in the bleachers, and you know, trying to figure out like, what do I think I'm good at? Well. <laughs> You know, I might have a lot of ideas, but until I get out on the court and participate in community, that's where the gold's going to be on where I really start to like see that. But I totally agree with you. I think, I think when Paul's giving those lists, I think those are great examples and they're even different lists, which might show that maybe they're not meant to be this sort of exhaustive list as much as, as examples. Yeah. So, so what Timmy and I are talking about right now is, uh, why, why? is one of our four values. You can't have an endless list of values, right? Right. And if you have many more than four, 
it's just going to get blurry, right? Mm-hmm. If everything's important, nothing's, nothing's important. important. Um, so we've trimmed it to four. So why is one of our values equip and empower? Well, it's because we really believe for the church to accomplish her mission well, for us to realize our vision well, the church has to experience this equipping and empowering. And when we look at the nature of the church in the scriptures, what we see is that God gave individuals spiritual gifts to be used for the building up of the body. He doesn't want us to be a consumer. He wants us to be a committed participant where we're using our spiritual gifts in the life of the body. And a lot of times people will, uh, to me, they'll, they'll, they'll feel like they've got to match their spiritual gift with some act of service. Mm. And sometimes that happens. They think that the ministry team that they're serving on has to be directly connected to their spiritual gift. And I want to caution people from that thinking because I think more times than not, the ministry teams that we're serving on is a little more of that sacrificial Philippians 2 kind of service. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you found any encouragement in Christ, take the same mind in you as Christ had, where though though, uh, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. Mm. It's good. So he makes himself a servant. So 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 in other words, when we use our spiritual gifts, it kind of fires us up, you know. Well, Jesus went to the cross and making himself a servant, right? Like right. I don't like I don't know that like fired him up, you know. I mean, like <laughs> he had a holy joy. The scripture says, "For the joy set before." You. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is is I think it's right, good, and appropriate when the body of Christ serves in a sacrificial way outside of their areas of spiritual gifts as an expression of servanthood. It's good. Okay. So, so like I might, I, you know, for, for my wife at, at home, I might take on a job that she normally does that I really don't like, whether it's loading the dishwasher, right? Yep. You know, it's, she, she does that most of the time, but I'll step in to do that. Well, I don't particularly enjoy that, but I do it because I want to be a servant. So good. Right. Um, I think I think spiritual gifts are expressed often in the community group environment when you're slowing down being connected in relationships. So a lot of times people want to attach their spiritual gift to an act of service in the church. And I want to redirect them and say, well, your spiritual gifts are going to be expressed in community often. Right. Where your spirit of faith might encourage someone else. Your spiritual gift of encouragement across that community, that's going to, you know, your spiritual gift of mercy, somebody that's really wallowing in shame is going to be built up, you know, by your mercy. What, what com- what's coming to mind as, I, as you hear me say this? Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I've seen folks that have used spiritual gift, the list, almost as an excuse not to do something yeah. as opposed to like, operating in their sweet spots. Right. Like, you know, you, you hear pe- folks like, well, <laughs> the gift of evangelism, I don't have that, you know, but like, no, like actually like we're, we're called, you know, we're all called uh, to share, share our faith. With you will people. be my witnesses. Jesus yeah, said, right? you will yeah. be my witnesses. So yeah. I, I think like, that's what came to my mind is like, no, spiritual gifts. The list isn't an excuse of like, now I don't have to do this or this, but it is instructive to say, no, we are different. And like, there's something beautiful when you are, operating out of your gifts, you, you feel it. And the person that you're ministering to feels it as well. And they get to be That's right. the, you know, they get the blessing of you operating out of your gift. That's and so, so good. It's not just for us. It's for the people around us. Yeah. You know, that's well. so good. You know, seek the Lord, ask the Lord to reveal to you what your gifts are. There's so much more that we could say about spiritual gifts, but we want to, we want to tap on it at the beginning in our explanation of this value, equip and empower, just to say, this is the foundation. So, so when we ask the question, why is one of our values equip and empower? Well, first, it's because this is the way God has made his church. Right. He's made his church this, this unity, this diversity woven together with unity, this, uh, this body where in 1 Corinthians 12 it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, right? So we all need to be prayed for. We all need to be encouraged. We all, you know, we all need someone to speak the truth and love to us. We all need to be shown mercy, right? Mm. So... Um, so God's given spiritual gifts to people for building up the body. That means we've got to be active. We've got to be empowered, right? Um, and so, 
So the word equip comes first from this understanding that the Holy Spirit has equipped us right, with spiritual gifts. So there's something that God does from an equipping standpoint. And there, I'm guessing that, too, there's something that the church does. Can you, like, like what does that look like? What does the piece of equipping look like that, um, that the church does to equip other people? Yeah, well, there's this, this pillar text in Ephesians chapter 4. Mm. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Timmy, I think I asked you to find that. Do you still have that text? I do, I do. Would you read that for us? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Sure. Uh, so Christ gave him, gave Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Love it. I'm going to read the ESV. Just It's just mm-hmm. a little bit of, of a nuance different. Mm-hmm. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. What, what are the What's the words that jump out in this? I mean... <laughs> there's a lot. There's the equip part. And there it is. There it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so real life, we didn't like just pull this out of the air and go, Oh, this is, this will make a good church. No, we went to God's word and said, God, what, what makes up your church? Well, God gives to his church, these leaders, these prophets, these, these shepherds, these teachers, these evangelists uh, to equip them. Love that. I love that. To equip them for the work of ministry. It's beautiful. And like even that verse 11, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Well, he gave of himself. And I just it just hit me that like Jesus is the perfect example of all those things. He's the perfect apostle, the perfect prophet, the perfect evangelist. The per- he's the great shepherd, you know the 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 master teacher of all and he gave himself so in a sense we get to reflect Jesus as we equip other people and into uh, giving of themselves in that way too and so going back to that word that keeps coming up there's this synergistic relationship you know yes um, so when you look at our strategy let's say, you know gathering in mm-hmm. community groups or when you look at our strategy serving well you think you've got community groups and you think you've got um, ministry teams well, what does it look like to equip people? Right. Well, it, well, it means that the leaders of these teams can't be doing all the ministry, right? They, they've they got to be empowering the people, equipping them to do the ministry. So a constant conversation we have with our staff team is, is, hey, we don't have you in these roles to do the ministry. Right. Like, you're not hired to do the ministry. We don't want you doing the ministry. We, we want you developing people and delegating the ministry to them. We want you equipping them and Rocks empowering them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so this, you know, it, at every level, at every level, this principle, this value, equipping and empowering, it can happen at every level. So a community group uh, host can have a, an apprentice that they're equipping to be a future community group host. A community group facilitator can have an apprentice that they're equipping. Um a, a ministry team leader, someone that leads the hospitality team, well, they don't need to be setting everything out. They need to be getting things organized and deploying their team Yep, to I set lo- things I out. I love that. Right? It's the, you know, the old 80-20 rule. Like, that's, like, the opposite of what we're going for. And, like, we see that so often of, like, you know, 80% of the work is being done by 20% of the people I think that's what happens when we're not equipping, right? Is no, we're saying we want to activate the church to be the, the full body, um, the full body of Christ. Yeah, so, yeah. I love that. You know, so folks that may have grown up uh, in a in a church where um, the pastor made every hospital visit, or um, you know, uh, the the pastor mm. was it was at every event that right. the church had. Um, the, the pastor performed every wedding. A lot of people have a paradigm in their mind that that's what church is. Right. Well, that's a very unbiblical vision of church. God gave the pastors to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know, so, so for us, um, I'm doing a really, really good job 
if there's other people doing those things. In other right. words, I'm faithfully living out my calling and I'm faithfully and effectively doing my job if I'm not doing all those things. Yep. You're almost having to fight against the mentality of, but pastor, that's what we pay you to do, right? right. Like, you know, it's that's like, right. no, no, no. Like, like that's, I'm at, it's it's actually the opposite. I'm, equ- I'm equipping and empowering you uh, to do the work as we together, you know, are the church. That's and right. It's a that's very right. different paradigm. Yes. So, so Timmy, the, the way I, I like to describe this in, in, I, I don't know if this will make sense to you. It probably will. But if I had a soccer illusion, illustration, this would be better. But um, Pete Rose was one of the best hitters that baseball's ever known, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he famously got uh, uh, either kicked out of or not in the Hall of Fame because of gambling, right? They won't, right. they won't allow him to be in the Hall of Fame, which I th- kind of think is crazy. But he was like the all-time hit leader, and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. But there was a season where Pete Rose was both a coach and a player. Did you know that? did not. So he was managing the team and he was playing on the player team. coach. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if there's ever been another baseball player to do that. Um, but as I talk to our staff team and as I train up leaders, I, I say, we all want to be a Pete Rose. So in other words, in other words, we don't want to say, no, 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 we don't do any of the ministry. Right. Um, uh, so we're only the coach. No. One of the ways that, that we equip and empower is by modeling. Right. Right. So we, we do want to participate in the ministry, but we want to do it purposefully. We want to do it with someone else watching us, with someone else going with us. We want to do it not because we can't find anybody else to do it. Right. Or not because it's just easier for me to do it and I can't find anybody else to do it. Um, but we want to we want to do it only if we're equipping somebody else to do it the next time. It, and that's a principle, not an absolute, right? Right, but that's the direction that we're wanting to go with equip and empower. It's it's in a sense servant leadership. It's follow follow me as I follow Christ. I I was thinking we've done a lot of pastors conferences in Uganda, and um, one of the first years. So the the mindset there is like literally as we would walk into a field, people would go behind us with chairs in case we got tired, and so that we could like sit down in the middle of the field. That was kind of the mindset of like pastors are just so up here that we're going to do whatever it takes, you know, to, to serve them. And I remember one day in particular, we were getting ready for the pastor's conference and I started to set out chairs for the pastors. And uh, one of the pastors there starts just cracking up laughing like, what are you doing? That's not, you know, that's not what we do. That's what everybody else does. And so it opened up this beautiful discussion of like, actually, you know, being in leadership doesn't mean just, you know, putting commands of you do this and you do this. It's, it's as we go and modeling that, which is kind of what you're talking about, right? This idea of like, as I serve, I'm actually giving you an example so that you can serve along with and do the work of the ministry. Is that, is that sort of the picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want to be isolated from the ministry. Right. We, we don't want to take our hands totally off the ministry. We want to be that player coach, um, we want to always be able to be modeling what it looks like, but um, we don't want to do the ministry. We want to develop others and delegate the ministry to them. We want to equip them and empower them to do the ministry. Timmy, for me, I take so much of this for granted because I grew up in such a great environment where it was happening um, so much. I was asked to preach at 16. <laughs> yes, I remember that. So... Was I ready? No. But part of my equipping was being empowered. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, a, there's a logical progression, equip someone and then empower them. And there's a danger if you empower someone before you equip them. Oh, wow. Um, but sometimes in faith, you have to take calculated risks and you have to see that one of the ways that you do equip people is by empowering them. That, that's great. And actually that, that leads me to probably my biggest question about equip and empower. Cause in my mind, like equipping makes sense. I can picture what that looks like, yeah. but like the word empower, like in your mind, when we're doing that, well, what, what does that look like in, in real life? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you give people permission to pursue what God's put in their heart. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, in, in church, a lot of times people will bring ideas that they have 
to the staff and recommend that the staff do it. Mm. You know, <laughs> hey, I have this great idea. Will you do it? Will you lead it? Will you knight it from the stage? Will you pay for it? Will you, you know? Right, right. Um, well, one of the things that's allowed real life to be so effective is that we've said no to most of those requests. Mm. And we've said, no, God's given us a simple strategy. We're going to be more effective if we focus on it. Um, but as we are effective at focusing collectively, the expectation is that God is going to birth burdens in different people's hearts for ministry. Right. And we want to give them permission to pursue it. So it's good. So um, yes, that idea. No, not us. Do, not not me as your pastor doing it. You doing it. Right. So 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 we're not a bottleneck. It's so not, why why did God put this on your heart? Mm. Did He put this on your heart to tell me to do it, or did He put this on your heart for you to do it? Right. So there's a there's a freedom and an empowerment to, you know, as the Spirit prompts your heart, like set your hands to to, to the work. Um, you know, the other, the other empowerment is, is really just to push people into leadership roles. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes before they think they're ready for them. Um, you know, in, in other words, most great leaders had someone believe in them before they believed in themselves. Yep. And so who is that for you? Oh goodness. Well, I mean, my youth pastor, Philip Herring, that's exactly, yeah. yeah, He asked me to preach and I'm like, what, you know, and he asked me to give testimonies and all these kinds of things, you know? And, Mm. and then like, I mean, in my college days, like all kinds of people would give me all these opportunities, you know, like I'll never forget, uh, the first time I flew anywhere to preach, I was like the backup preacher for, uh, Pace Hartfield. You remember Chris? Well, yeah. Yeah. Pace. Um, and in, in my mind, he was awesome. Yep. And I was just like a little peon, you know? And so for me to be the backup guy to preach for him, I was like, oh, you, are you guys sure about this? You know, but they believed in me, you yep. know? Yep. So, uh, so there's that, you know, uh, in, so empowerment looks like believing in people. Um, empowerment, you know, is giving people the resources to be successful and effective, you know? Right. right. Um, so it's breathing faith. It's giving them permission. It's giving them the resources. Um, it's, it's pushing them out. It's, 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 asking them to do certain things. Yep. Um, you know, that's how we empower people. We ask them to do certain things. I love that. And because I feel like sometimes we feel like if it's outside of my comfort zone, you're asking me for too much, but mm-hmm. you're saying the opposite. Sometimes yes. we need that. And that's a growth area for us is we feel over our head and that's where God meets us and, and grows us. Yes. Well, and, you look at, you look at the pattern of who God used throughout the history of Israel and it wasn't the people that said, "Oh, I got this," you know. Yep. It was the people that said, "Lord, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, please take someone else, right? Yep. You know, whether it was Moses or David or Jonah or what, whoever, you know, like, Lord, I'm not up, I'm not up to the task, right? Is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, "Who is adequate for these things, mm. right?" So you know, so so I think in in that equipping and empowering process. Like more times than not, you're going to find people that don't feel up to the task. And it's that it, and it's that spirit of humility that actually makes them a good candidate it's good. for the task. Right. right? And uh, if, but if somebody's like, oh, yeah, what took you so long from asking me? I should have been doing this for could two be a years. Red flag, right? Yeah. But yeah. It could be a red flag of, oh, maybe. Maybe your heart's not in the right. Maybe you got the talent, but maybe your heart's not in the right place for this. You know. I remember the first time I heard that the disciples were most likely. I'd always pictured the disciples as like you know, basically me, middle-aged bald dudes. You know, like you know that are, are doing the work in the ministry. But like in that culture, they were most likely teens at the very, at the very least. You know, younger twenties. These were not like old guys, and so. And Jesus' method of discipleship wasn't like, here are the things I need you to know. Here, the, it was much more, let's, it was as we go, we're going to do these things. I'm going to yes. send you out. Yes. And so he he modeled that for us, yes. I think, in a beautiful way. Yes. One of the things um, growing up for me that also activated this equip and empower mindset was um, at, at, at our camp growing up, the high schoolers would be the camp counselors for the middle schoolers. Right. And, you know, the book of James says not everyone should be a teacher, and teachers are going to be judged more harshly than than others. Yep. So that's sobering for sure, and that ought to make us really careful for anybody who would say, hey, would you teach a Bible study? But, I, you know, I think 
I think that was probably more speaking about the regular office in the church. Maybe not. Anyways, what we experienced was high schoolers leading Bible studies for middle schoolers. Yep. So there was this natural empowerment that 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 said you should always be leading someone that's just a step behind you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I grew up with that being normal, right? That was my normal is, is you're just, you're always investing in, you're always pouring into, you're always equipping those, you know, but you're being equipped to lead those younger, you know? Yep. Yep. You brought up that the person that maybe the, that did that the most in your life was Philip Heron. Yes. And that was for me as well. And you and I literally had the conversation yesterday, right? About <laughs> lead teams. Yeah. Like, you know, um, yeah. and that isn't, is a lead team kind of what you're talking about? Like, in other words, I, I could certainly do everything myself or I could be pouring into people and, and we together do it. Is that, is that kind of the idea? Yeah, absolutely. Let me like take us a, a step to the right mm-hmm. and talk about like, um, you know, like secular leadership. Okay. Uh, a, a, a principle I heard years ago was only do what only you can do. Right. Only do what only you can do. So within an organization, uh, if you want to really hone your craft and if you want to really, really make the contribution that's unique for you. Only do what only you can do. So then, so then the natural question is, is what about all that other stuff? Right. <laughs> what about all that other stuff? <laughs> Equip and empower. It's good. Equip and empower. It's so wild because we, we eat, we often get blinded to the reality, Timmy, of the things that I'm not good to do or the things that I don't want to do. Somebody else is really good and wants to do it. Absolutely. And, and oftentimes it's like, Gosh, that for me is kryptonite. And for somebody else, it's like, oh. It's a beautiful thing when you realize, wait a minute, some you you actually enjoy that? Right. You know, it, it's like a beautiful thing. Right. It's not right. a burden to you. It's something that you enjoy. That's doing. right. So equip and empower, equip and empower. I'll I mean, I'll I'll parse this out even even a little further. Um uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we had a staff member and something came in the mail. And, and he began to assemble it. Okay. And, um, and I asked him, I, I said, hey, do you think that we would pay somebody $18 an hour to assemble that? And he said, well, no way. I said, well, when you, when you look at your salary breakdown, that's what we're, you're being paid. Right. So we don't want you putting that together. And, and it was a little aha moment mm. for him of going, Oh, it's great. You know, yeah, I need to equip and empower somebody else to do this so that I can use my limited time to, to fry the bigger, you know, right, fishes that I need to fry. That's that, right. That's that right. I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and so really this equip and empower, it has to be infiltrated all throughout the organization for the organization to flourish. Right. Love that. Yeah. And yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say like, so if you're listening to the podcast, if I'm hearing you right, I love this because I think equip and empower somebody might go, Oh, okay. So that means the church is going to equip and empower me to do the work. And it, yes, but like you're saying, it's not just that it's, it's the other level too of like, now who will you equip and empower as well? It's it's working both, both levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Parents equipping, empowering their children, older siblings, equipping, empowering their younger siblings, you know, we have this dynamic going on in real life kids already where students right. are faithfully and weekly serving in uh, real life kids. And so, yes, this needs to be activated all over the place. Uh, Jim Jim Gustin uh, said recently uh, he thought he was kind of retiring from serving in the church and he moved from California to Clarksville and the Lord has showed him, no, it's not time for you to retire. I still have things for you to do. Um, and so, so yes, it's that whole rhythm of the Lord has imparted something to you and you've got to be passing it on and and, and pouring it out. And not having that mindset that I have to arrive at a certain place before I can equip and empower. Like you can do that 
wherever you are in your walk with Christ, you're probably, you're a step ahead of somebody else. That's right. That's right. So as a reminder, our values shape our culture as a church. And the guys Mm. that study this and write the books about this, they say that culture always eats strategy for breakfast, right? You know, so in other, in other words, when you say, what's the most powerful force in a church, is it their culture or their strategy? What's their culture? their culture. In other words, you can have a great plan, but but whatever is shaping the people, mm. that's going to... So, for example, the church that I pastored in Arizona, their culture was a fellowship culture. It was a fellowship culture. So they would do these big outreach events, and it did not matter to them at all if it was effective. The only thing that mattered to them was that they were together. Mm. Their fellowship culture... So they had this strategy of, oh, we're going to do this. But it didn't matter to them if they were effective at the strategy. It didn't matter to them. None of that mattered. What mattered was, are we going to enjoy being together? Because fellowship was their culture. Mm. Um, So culture is always going to be stronger than strategy. Um, And so that's why values are so important, is that they shape our culture. So the culture of our church is going to determine the unique kingdom impact that we make. So equip and empower, we want it to infiltrate all throughout our church. So if you're if you're a ministry team leader and you're thinking, well, how do I do this? How do I empower somebody? Um, let me give you, or how do I equip and empower somebody? Yeah. Um, uh, a tool, a resource that you and I have heard and have used over the years, Tim, is um, uh, you bring somebody along and you say, yeah, you watch me and then we'll talk, you ask questions and we'll pray. Mm-hmm. The next step is, the next week, you help me do this. And then we'll talk, you ask questions, we'll pray. And then the next week, so third weekend, um, I'm going to help you do it. You're going to do what you saw me do and then what you helped me do. Now you're going to do it and I'm going to help you do. And then we're going to talk and pray. And then that fourth week, um, now you're going to do it. And I'm going to watch. I'm not going to help. I'm just going to watch. And then we'll talk and we'll pray. Um, that's a, a, a paradigm. That's a framework. That's a tool. That's a resource. Uh, it could take fewer weeks, depending upon what you're training somebody on. It could take longer, but that's a pattern right. of, of how you equip and empower somebody. So if you're in a ministry role and you're hitting a new season, you're hitting a new season in life, and you need to step out of that leadership role, um, if, you, if you select the right person and you take four weeks, you can pass off your leadership to them in four weeks Yep. by you. Uh, um, you watch me. We talk, we pray. You help me. We talk, we pray. I help you. We talk, we pray. And then, um, and then I watch you. We talk, we pray. And then boom, you've equipped someone to lead your ministry team. Yep. Or community groups. I'm thinking that Absolutely. probably works great for community groups too, right? hundred percent. I mean, it's your, it, the system's already built. You're, doing already so they're watching you and you know one week you go hey this week is it's, it's up to you i'm gonna be there but you do it that's right and so so church listen to this we will not realize our maximum potential for the glory of jesus christ if we don't equip and empower right but if we do oh the sky is the limit the sky's the limit uh, somebody came to me once and they asked me a question about like why I, I allowed Nick Boyd to preach when he was 15. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, why? Like, of course, of course I did. Our values equip and empower. Like mm. God's called him to ministry and I worked with him in prepping his sermon and we got to give him an opportunity to, you know, to go for it. This is a guiding principle. It's not an absolute. And as we seek to equip and empower people, we're going to make wrong decisions. We're going to put people in leadership positions at times that, we didn't set them up for success. They weren't perfectly equipped or we just made the wrong selection. We did everything we could, but they're just not wired for it. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. We, we figured that out, pull back, try again. Someone's going to jump on a ministry team and they're going to realize this is, this is brutal. I'm like, I'm, I'm messing up this ministry team. Let's pull out, find Mm -hmm. another one, you know? Um, So, uh, so we're going to make mistakes as we seek to equip and empower, but we're going to keep aiming for equipping and empowering. Love that. And, and it strikes me if multiplying is um, an end goal, that only happens when we do equip and empower well. That's right. So let me speak directly to our staff and our leaders. Um, 
What are you doing that you need to equip someone else to do? That's good. What are you doing that you need to develop someone else in and delegate it to them? Um, When we do more than God wants us to do, we stifle our energy and we stifle our creative juices and we stifle our, our, our people ministry to where we limit what God wants to do. The ministry stalls out. It doesn't advance. It doesn't flourish. It doesn't multiply. So what are you doing that you need to find someone else? Then you may say, well, I don't, I don't know who. Well, pray. Ask God to bring somebody to you. Why, why would we think that God wants us to be able to go about our ministry without praying, mm. dependently, desperately, praying, depending on God? Freddie, if I'm listening to this and I'm looking at my task list and I'm looking at and I'm asking that question, who can I can equip and empower? What would you say to someone that's like, honestly, like it's just going to be faster for me to do it myself? And if I, you know, then to sit down with this person and to equip and empower, like, yeah, yeah, because I, I hear that. Yeah. Know? Well, two things. Um, you're right. Often it will be faster. Uh, often it'll be better. Right. Um, but there's two things. One, we're committed to the long view. Mm. Um, in other words, we're not wanting to get the work done as fast and as best as we can do it today. Right. We're wanting to see Jesus establish his church for generations. That's good. For generations. So when we take the long road, the painful road, the messy road, the frustrating road, of equipping and empowering somebody. We're seeing the, the ministry multiply beyond our touch. We're mm. creating an opportunity for Jesus to be faithful to his promise of, I will build my church. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, for a staff person, you might want to consider that you're not doing your job. Yeah. You're not doing what we asked you to do. Right. If that's the value, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, somebody else getting it done faster, getting it done quicker. Okay. Ask yourself the question, how did you get into this scenario? Could you have planned better? You know, it may be that you're up against a timeline, a deadline, right? right. right? And so, oh gosh, somebody else needs to be doing this, but I don't have time to hit this deadline. So it may be, okay, how could you have planned better, right. prepared better? so that you've got the time to go recruit, equip, and empower somebody to do it. So take the long view, but then also just remember the nature of the church by God's design. It's God gave the leadership to the church for the equipping mm-hmm. of the ministry. That's so good. let's let the nature of the church be what God intended for it to be. One of the ways, Timmy, one of the, one of the things we say about our staff, you probably haven't heard us say this much, but... Um, is we don't say no for anybody. Yeah, We don't say no for anybody. So that temptation to think, uh, well, this isn't something that I like to do. Surely nobody else is going to like to do it. I feel bad for even asking them to do it. No, wait, 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 wait. They may love doing it. Don't right. say no for anybody. Well, I'm not going to ask them to do this because they got a really busy job and they got four kids. Wait, 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 wait. Don't say no for anybody, right? Like the vision of the church is a church where everybody's gifted and everybody's participating and everybody's serving and um, this what le- this is what leads to a, mm. a flourishing people. It's good. The multiplying movement. We might be robbing people of their delight in a sense, uh, right? By like just saying hundred percent. That that can sound cliche, but it is absolutely oh, yeah. true. Yes. Absolutely. Don't rob people of the joy of of, of serving. Um, hey, I think this has been a great session. Any Timmy, anything burning on your mind as we think about equip and empower that we've left out? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think the picture of the body of Christ is a beautiful picture, and if it's just a thumb or an elbow, it's incomplete, and that's why we need to activate the entire church to be the body of Christ. So good, man. So good. Uh, Timmy, this has been fun. We're going to come back in the next few weeks tapping on our other values. They'll probably be a little shorter and punchier uh, sessions than this one was, um, but brother, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Hey folks, you've heard about community groups, but have you considered hosting or facilitating a community group? As our church grows, we need more folks that are willing to step forward. Listen, beyond a need, it's a massive 
opportunity for you to be mightily used of God, perhaps in a way that you never dreamed possible. Hosts open up their homes, welcome folks in once a week for community groups. Facilitators don't teach a Bible study, rather they guide discussion, they guide discussion with questions that we provide. So would you right now text mission to 97,000 and let us know that you're interested in hosting or facilitating or perhaps both a community group this fall. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.